So we do have a South Asia team that's going to be leaving very, very, very soon. Okay, so if you'll go by the Go table back there, you'll see a little mailbox. Go ahead and pick up a list of the South Asia team. We have four members that are going to be going on mission there. If you will write them an encouragement card and stick that in that mailbox, we'd love for you to go ahead and do that so that when they're on mission, they can have these cards uh, knowing that people are praying for them and are caring for them on this mission. They're due next Sunday, okay? So get those in yesterday. Um, and then senior adult luncheon, I want to go ahead and tell you all that on February 22nd, uh, we're going to have Meat Boss right here at Luke 418 Fellowship. So Thursday, February 22nd at 11 a.m. Please bring a dessert to share, and uh, I will pray, and then we will go to uh, baptism this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you and praise you for all that you do. You are so faithful to us. We pray that you uh, would find us faithful. We pray that we would have a, just a clear vision of who you are and get to know you each and every day a little bit better. We pray that we would grow in you, abide in you together as a congregation who is fixed on Jesus. We pray that we would go in you to all the world. Lord, we celebrate today one going from death to life. We celebrate a brother and sister in Christ today in baptism. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please direct rise. Amen. Well, it is always a joy to begin Sunday morning or time of worship with baptism. Today we have Peyton Kendricks is coming this morning. So Peyton has a wonderful testimony. This week, or actually a couple weeks ago, uh, she is getting married, and her and her fiancé came for premarital counseling. And during that time, I asked them, and I always ask at premarital counseling, to share your testimony, because we must be equally yoked, right? And she shared her testimony. And then afterwards, I said, Peyton, have you ever walked in believer's baptism? And she shared with me in that moment, she said, I haven't. And so we talked through that, and she said, I want to be baptized. And so within a week after that, she's here today to profess Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. Amen. So Peyton, it is my joy and honor to baptize you. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Amen. Well, Peyton, it's upon your profession of faith, my sister, that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ unto death, and raised, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just love you so much, and we praise your holy name. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that we get to celebrate that our lives once were dead, but now we're made alive in Christ through the sacrifice of your son. Thank you, God, for your mercy and grace. Lord, I thank you for Peyton. Lord, I thank you that she has proclaimed today to the church, but most of all to you, Father, that she is a child of a living God. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us for worship today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. If you would take the welcome card that's right in front of you and fill that out, 
put it in one of the boxes in the back of the room. We can get you a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship and where you can start serving with us. And if you'd like to be a member with us, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. The house of the Lord is God's people, and we will celebrate that today, that we are all on mission together. Why don't you stand and welcome someone to Luke 418 Fellowship this morning. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out Shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross and he rose from that grave. Amen. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out. the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Because we were the beggars, now we're Be quiet. 
have the assurance that our Savior has us in the palm of his hand. Let's sing together, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine.
not to just keep it to ourselves, but to go and to shine our light in the world around us. Let's sing together. Shine your light. Let the whole world see. Shine your light and let the whole world see.
we're so thankful we will sing hallelujah we will sing praise the lord until you come again we pray that out of the overflow of everything that you have done for us will do for us and have yet to do for us that we have seen in your scriptures we will worship you we will praise you not out of obligation or out of religion lord but out of the relationship that we have with you that we have with other believers that reflects your face. We pray that we would be that shining city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that we would be salt and light, that we would serve out of gladness, out of humility, out of gratitude for what you have done for us. Lord, we pray we would not walk with veiled eyes today, but that we would turn our eyes on you. Lord, we pray for those that have need today. Before we do that, we want to thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. We love you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.
got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. This song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got one response. I've got just one. With my arms stretched wide, I will worship you. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a For a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, mouse. Oh, don't you get shy on me. You got a lion inside of us. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You got a lion inside of us. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of songs. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You got a lion inside of us. 
Josh, thank you for leading us in that song. Such a beautiful song. You know, I'm always amazed at people who are able to sing and play an instrument at the same time. I can't do two things at one time, no matter what it is. And that was incredible, Josh. Thank you. We're going to continue our study in spiritual disciplines. I shared with you at the very beginning, I've shared it throughout, that one of the ways that I've gotten the outline for some of the messages is through the book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. If, if you've never read this book, I'm telling you, it's a great book uh, that gives you just practical insights on walking in the uh, Christian life and, and living out the disciplines that we see throughout the Scripture. The last couple of weeks, we've seen the discipline to be in God's Word, or as Donald Whitney says, the intake of God's Word. We've seen the discipline of prayer and fasting. We saw last week the discipline of evangelism, to go and share. And this week, we're going to look at this understanding or the discipline, the spiritual discipline of serving. Now, I just want to ask this question. Have you ever noticed that it's not hard to find people to serve if it's out in front? But when it's behind the scenes, when it's something that goes unnoticed, Oftentimes, it's hard to find people that are willing to do that. And I'm not talking about here at Luke 14. I'm just talking about in general in life. Well, I think that we all know the reason. We all know the answer to that. But can I tell you as a pastor, I don't want somebody serving in front if they're not willing to serve behind the scenes. As one of my dear friends says, is that somebody doesn't need to stand up and preach the gospel if they're not also willing to take out the trash throughout the week. And so today we're going to look at this spiritual discipline of serving, but we're going to get at the end of this to the heart of serving. Is that not the issue that people often have? The heart of serving and making sure that you're serving from a proper heart or a heart that is for the Lord. As we have done each day or each Sunday, we're going to read this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look halfway through verse 7 and verse 8. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 7 and verse 8. It says this. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. 
For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your truth and your word. And Father, I confess that I cannot proclaim your truths today without your help, without your strength, without you doing it in and through me. And so, Father, I ask that you would just empty me and just let your truth go forth. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the pages today as we look all throughout Scripture about this understanding of a call to serve. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would walk in obedience of your truth. And we love you and praise you. Put me on the front row. Let me hear what you're speaking today and walk alongside each person as we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, each week we've started with the first point, and that is the purpose of uh, discipleship or discipline, the purpose of discipline. And we've looked at that in verse uh, 7 of 1 Timothy 4. It says the purpose is for godliness. Now, let me just remind you, godliness is Christ-likeness. How do we grow in Christ-likeness? But we uh, allow the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life that is peeling back the flesh, removing the flesh so that Christ shines through us, that people see the truth of, of who Christ is. I always tell people that I believe that our sanctification process is like walking into a cave and it's pitch black dark, but then all of a sudden you see the light. And in that moment, that's the point of salvation, when you see the light. And so you walk closer and closer to the light. What happens is two things. One, the, more, the closer that you get to the light, the more it reflects off of you, right? But it also is the more that it shows you how dirty and how filthy we are. Now, I shared each week with you that I don't want you to walk away from here legalistic. I don't want you to walk away from here and saying, here are some things I've got to do. What I want you to do is to recognize that God is calling us to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. The being in Christ comes before the doing in Christ. If you simply just try to check off boxes with uh, evangelism and check off boxes by reading the Word and check off boxes of praying and check off boxes of fasting, you're not going to be growing in the Lord. You're going to be building that legalistic uh, legalism in you that the Pharisees had. And remember, Jesus said that your righteousness must be greater than that of the Pharisees. Right? Why? Because the Pharisees were focused in on themselves. So we recognize the purpose of discipline on ourselves is for godliness. And so today we're going to look at the discipline of serving or discipline yourself to serve. Now, the first thing we want to see is a call to serve. There is a call to serve throughout the Scripture. But I want to show you two of them today. In Hebrews 9, verse 14, you'll see it on the screen. Many of you know this passage, but it just caught my eye this week as I got down to verse 14. But it says this in verse 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the uh, ashes of heifers sprinkling those uh, who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, 
cleanse your conscience from the dead works to what? Serve the living God. I thought that was interesting. We always we, we know this passage because it talks about the fact that Jesus' blood is way more valuable in some sense than, than the goats and then the, the, the lambs and the, the, all these animals that were used as the sacrifice. And it speaks here that Jesus offered his blood, his sacrifice, to cleanse you. And then it says at the end of this that he has cleansed you in order that you may serve the living God. So we see in Hebrews that there's a call to serve. We also see in Ephesians there's a call to serve. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, you may remember this from our study. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Church, God has showed us throughout the New Testament that there is a call To serve God. And that serving of the Lord is to serve Him with every aspect of your life. So if there's a call to serve, then why why do we serve? I think that Hebrews speaks of it clearly. But I want to just kind of look at this for a moment. Why do we serve? Well, first we serve because we've been forgiven. Because we've been forgiven. Now think about what Isaiah 6 says says, as we've dissected this passage many times, you know it, it's Isaiah sees the Lord, uh, and, and what happens, he says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips, and he falls before the Lord, and, and, and the seraphim comes over and takes the coal, touches his lips, and then he is forgiven, as it says. And it's after that, as I told you a couple weeks ago, that we finally see him address or speak to the Lord. What is he saying? Here am I. Send me. Uh, Previous to that, he's talking ultimately to himself. Woe is me. Like, I'm a man of unclean lips. He says, woe is me. I'm destroyed because I have seen the holiness of God. But then he falls on his face and and the Lord forgives him through the, the cleansing of that coal from the seraphim. And then he speaks and he says, hey, here am I, Lord, send me. Church, do we realize that we serve God because we have been forgiven? Do we live a life of service in understanding, in view of the cross and what God has done for you? Spurgeon wrote this. He said, the child of God works not for life, but from life. He does not work to be saved, but because he is saved. Church, we are called to serve God because we have been forgiven. We have given our life to Christ. When you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you submit to the Lordship of Christ, receiving the free gift of eternal life, you are giving your life to Christ. Every bit of it. All of it. Everything. Church, we have nothing to offer for salvation except for the sin that has separated us from God. Through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice, he gives us the freedom. He makes us alive, as we saw in the baptism this morning, buried with Christ unto death and raised to walk in the newness of life. We we serve because we've been forgiven. And that forgiveness came with a very, very big price. We also serve because of our love for God and our love for people. 
Think about this for a moment. When we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we recognize and see how great a love God has for you and for me. We recognize that His love was manifest through sending Jesus to the cross. We recognize that His love was demonstrated by allowing His Son to go and die upon the cross for you and for me. And so when we recognize that, we serve because of our love for God. Now let me just tell you again, the Scripture says that we love because He first loved us. Our love for God pushes us to serve. It says this throughout the scripture in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, what are his commandments? He says the, 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 the two biggest ones, right, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But then he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Church, when we recognize what God has done, we see the love that He has for us. By the feeling of the Holy Spirit, we're able then to love God. And what does that do? It pushes us to serve. Why do we serve? Because we've been forgiven. Why do we serve? Because we have a love for God and we desire to follow His commandments. Now, I said the word desire because I don't want it to be, well, I have to. Well, He called me to serve, so I have to serve. Well, that's not the heart of one who's been overwhelmed by the love of God. If you were here Wednesday night, we talked about the love of God over and over and over. God is love. That's who He is. It doesn't change. It can't uh, get any bigger or any smaller towards you. That's how great His love is for you. And because of that love, we serve God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Galatians 5.13 also says this, For you are called to freedom, brethren, but do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The only way that you can love is what? By recognizing the love of God that He has for you. So we recognize that the reason that we serve is that we've been forgiven. We recognize the reason that we serve is our love for God that leads us to obedience to His Word. But there's another reason why we serve, and it's because our Savior, Jesus Christ, has left an example for each of us to follow. Jesus has left an example for us to follow. John 14, 15 um, says this, and, and I think that I... There it is. No, I'm sorry. Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. Jesus is giving us an example of one who is walking in obedience of God's will and serving others. And he says that, that he did not come to be served, but to serve. How is he walking in obedience of God's will? Because he said that what I do is the will of the Father. Even in the garden, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And what was the will of the Father for Jesus to come and to serve, and ultimately to serve by giving of his life upon the cross for you and for me, to give his life a ransom for many. But then he also gives us that famous example in John 13. And in John 13, we see this incredible example of Jesus at what we many call the Last Supper. 
And as they go to take of this, Jesus stepped aside for a moment and began to wash their feet. And taking his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Church, the reason that we serve is because we've been forgiven. The reason that we serve is because we have a love for God that's been bestowed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit because we've seen the love God has for us. The reason that we serve is because we have an example from our Savior who served all those around. And can I just remind you that when Jesus was washing the feet, he also washed Judas' feet. Think about it for a moment. We're not just simply called to serve those inside the body of Christ, but we're called to serve all people. Church, when we look at that, it's overwhelming to think that Jesus would have done and loved Judas, the same one who was going to come and betray him and give him over to the Romans. Now, we recognize that the only way that he was given over to the Romans is God's will, right? But still... We see this incredible just action and serving of the Savior. So we recognize why we serve. So then the question is, is how do we serve? How do we serve? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, he gives this just incredible statement that caught people off guard in some sense. And it's it's Jesus speaking and saying that these will come into the kingdom and these will not. And here's what he says in Matthew 25, 34 and on. He says, Then the king will say to those on my right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When were you sick or in prison and we came to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that the extent that you do it To the one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. When we sit here and we think about how do we serve, God has called us to serve people with our lives, to serve God with our lives. There's this practical idea. Jesus is saying, hey, when you did it for the least of these, when you helped with the need, when you sought out intentionally what was going on for somebody to help them, you were doing that for And to me. So what are practical ways that we can serve? Well, in the church house, we can serve as a life group teacher. We can serve as a host home for community groups. We can serve as a facilitator for community groups. 
We can serve as a greeter when somebody comes in. We can serve as a deacon. We can serve on the missions team. Special events that we have. You can serve in the nursery. You can serve in the children's area. You can serve in the youth area. You can serve in the choir. You can serve in the orchestra. There's so many opportunities to serve. And and can I tell you, though, for me, this is what I... I, Because the idea of a deacon is one who is like a lead server, right? One who serves. And I tell people all the time, I don't want somebody to be voted in or asked, not voted in, but asked to serve as a deacon simply because they have a a, a popular name. People know them. I want somebody to be asked to be a deacon because they've seen them serving when nobody was watching. They've seen them serving and stepping up to serve when there was a need or an intentionality in the moment. That's what I believe when we look at the Scriptures I think that churches miss it sometimes because they just focus in. And I'm not saying we do here because I've I've spoken this to you for the last two years. But I think churches sometimes just say, well, this person's known, this person's known, so we're going to go with that person. We need to be saying the deacon is one who is stepping up to the plate when they're not even being asked to do that. Because they have a heart to serve. Church, what about outside of the church? I love what... Donald Whitney says, he says, Beyond the church walls, serving can manifest itself as babysitting for a neighbor, taking meals to the family with the flu, running errands for the homebound, providing transportation for one whose car is broken down, helping the lawn or with home maintenance, feeding a pet, watering plants while somebody's gone. You know, sometimes we think and we put too much of this idea of what serving looks like and we make it this really special thing and we miss that there's so many little aspects of serving it could simply be getting your neighbor's mail while they're gone in that moment they recognize what that that you're being intentional that you care for them you know we can share the gospel in our neighborhood just by serving those around us and by showing the love of christ that is moving us to serve others hey how can i help Can I help when this happens or that happens? Hey, I see you're going out of town. Can I help you in this? I I, I heard that y'all were sick. Can we go to the store for you? Listen, people did this during COVID-19 because everybody wasn't allowed to get out of their house. So we called somebody and everybody was willing and loved to serve, right? We love, hey, I'll go to the store for you. I'd love to get those things. Now, I can't find toilet paper because they're sold out during COVID, right? But the reality of it is, is that during COVID, we had this idea that, that, yes, we want to do this. But then we get back into our routine of life and we forget the intentionality of serving others. But here's the beauty is that when we serve others inside and outside of the church, we are showing that we've been forgiven. We're showing that we have a love for the Father because God has loved us. We're showing that we're following the example of our Savior and our Lord. But let's just be very real. Serving oftentimes is difficult because it can become thankless. Most of the time, serving goes unnoticed. But can I tell you that the one who notices is the only one that matters? For God sees all things. He knows all things. Psalms 139 speaks all about this. He knows every page of your life's book before it was even written before there was even one page he knew it all 
which is why the heart of serving is so important. Ephesians 6, verse 7 and 8 says this, With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Now this passage is talking about masters and slaves, and it's talking about husbands and wives and all these and children. It's, it's that idea of the, the family unit at first, and then it goes into even like business relationships and stuff like that. But it's saying, with good will, render service to the Lord, not to men. How do we render our service to the Lord? By checking our heart. Why do you do what you do? Life group teachers, don't raise your hand. Why do you teach? Do you want people to know what you know and say, wow, you're a great teacher? Or do you want to share the love of God with others? Community group facilitators, why do you facilitate? Is it because you want to be known as a facilitator? Or is it because you want the love of God to be shown? When you serve here, when you serve at other places, is it so that people will see what you're doing or is it unto the Lord? Is it for the Lord? Those who are leaving for South Asia in just a few days, those who are going to Zambia, why are you going? Why are you going to serve? Is is it so that I can say, look at what I've done? Or is it to say, I want people to know that I've been forgiven and that they can be forgiven. I want people to know that I have seen the love of God and because of His love, I love Him and I'm walking in obedience. Is it because you are following the example of Jesus or is it saying, hey, I want people to see me? So how do we render our service to the Lord? By checking our heart. There's three areas of our heart that I just want us to look at quickly today. One is that when we're serving unto the Lord, we're going to serve with gratitude. We're going to serve with gratitude. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. Wow. Let me just read that again. Fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. Church, when we have a heart of gratitude, we're going to want to serve others. When we have a heart of gratitude of all that God has done for us, and let's start at the most important, that's salvation. Let's start at the most important, looking at the cross of what Jesus has done for us, that we are overwhelmed with gratitude, that we want to serve others because we're walking in the example of Jesus. There's a big difference between gratitude, being overwhelmed by what God's done, and just saying, hey, I want people to see how good of a person I am. Remember, we had nothing to offer for salvation but the sin that separated us from God. The next one of the heart is gladness. Do you serve with gratitude? Do you serve with gladness? Psalm 100, verse 2. Many of y'all have this memorized. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Come before Him with joyful singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Man, I tell you, this is something that I deal with with my kids, right? They're in the room, so I'll be very careful. Everybody deals with their kids in some sense in this manner, right? They'll say, okay. Love you, Sam. One of the sayings at our house is right away, always, with a cheerful spirit. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. So right away, always, with a cheerful spirit. Listen, there's times where I'll ask somebody to do something and they're like, okay. And I'm like, I got it, I got it. Because what I don't want them to do is just sit there and and wallow in their disappointment or frustration. I want them to serve the Lord with gladness. Why? Because they have gratitude for what God has done. Think about this for a moment. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 2. Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king, right? And the king says to Nehemiah, Why is your face sad, though you're not sick? Can you imagine, think about this, can you imagine somebody serving the king and walking up like, here, here you go. What do you think would happen to somebody that was doing something like that towards a king in the olden days? They'd probably be in a lot of trouble. Now, history tells us that one of the things that was important for a cupbearer was to also test to make sure that that drink that he was giving was not poisoned. And so sometimes they said that maybe his sadness could lead to the fact that the king thinks... Well, he knows what's in the cup, and he's about to drink of that and then hand it to me, and we're both going to go. But Nehemiah was sad because of what he had heard about Jerusalem. But the king noticed his sadness. Nobody serves the king with sadness in these days. He noticed it. If Nehemiah didn't serve the king with sadness, but with gladness. Why in the world would we think that we can serve God moping, disappointed? Okay. But when we serve with gladness, we show that that gladness, that joy, has come because we have been overwhelmed by God's love, by His forgiveness, by who He is and what He's done in and through us. And we follow His example. Think about what it says about Jesus in the book of Hebrews. It talks about Him going to the cross. And even in going to the cross, it talks about His his heart of gladness. Not because He was going to the cross to die and be punished, but because He knew what was going to take place by His sacrifice. Church, this this is huge. For the joy set before Him He endured the cross. And yet sometimes when we're asked to serve, and it's not asked to go to the cross, it's asked to serve, maybe do this or do that or whatever, and we're like, okay. If we're truly going to do it unto the Lord, we're going to do it with a heart of gratitude, and we're going to do it with a heart of gladness. There's another heart. A heart of humility. A heart of humility. This really goes back to following the example of Jesus, right? In Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 6 through on gives us this understanding of the example of Jesus. But let me just go back and start with verse 3. It says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. In verse 4 it says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And here's the, 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 brings it all together. Have the attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ Jesus. Then it talks about him humbling himself to the point, to the form of a bondservant. Church, We're called to serve with gladness. We're called to serve with gratitude. But we're also called to serve with humility. And that is not prideful humility. That is humility that recognizes others even more than themselves. Now let me just say, I I love this idea. I've shared it with you before that I'm third lifestyle. God first, others second, and myself third. And I try to live that out in my life. I learned that at Canacook. They call it the I'm third lifestyle. But here I must tell you, You can't walk humbly thinking of others more than yourself if you're not first pouring into yourself. You can't live the I'm third lifestyle, God first, others second, myself third, if you're not pouring God's word into your heart and mind. If you're not disciplining yourself for the intake of God's word, if you're not disciplining yourself to prayer, if you're not disciplining yourself to worship God in spirit and in truth, then you're not going to be able to discipline yourself to walk in humility and think of others more than yourself. Because it's the word of God. As the Holy Spirit does a sanctifying process that we remove the selfishness in us that allows the humility to go forth. So what's your heart for serving? Do you have a heart of gratitude? Do you have a heart of gladness? Do you have a heart of humility? I'm here to tell you that if any of those are the opposite, then we need to ask the Lord to search our heart and show us So what are the two and I'm going to end with this and and I don't like ending on a negative but I feel like I'm supposed to. But what are the two struggles that keeps us from serving? Or keeps us from serving with a pure heart? I think there's two struggles. Both of them are biblical. One is pride. Pride. Pride can keep us from serving. And pride can also keep us from serving God with all of our heart. What I mean by that is pride can say, well, I'm too good to do that and not serve at all. But pride can also say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to let everybody see. Now, here's the thing, church. We don't say that in our mind, in our heart. I mean, we don't say it in our mind. We don't think that. But do we ever ask ourselves, what is truly the motive of our heart and what we're doing? You know, even some of us today may have said, well, Man, like, sometimes I just do things and and do I even think about what is the motive of my heart in the midst of it? There's times I have to stop and say, Lord, what was my motive in that? Show me. And Father, if it was not for you, I repent. Lord, if it was for you, I praise God that you received all glory, honor, and praise. I have to ask that question when I come up here. 
What's my motive for proclaiming the truth of the gospel? Is it to say, look at David Bullock, or is it to say, look at God? Church, we need to ask ourselves, or else we'll find ourselves serving pridefully and never recognize our downfall. But I think that there's another, and Proverbs speaks of this a lot, and that's slothfulness, laziness. Just not really understanding why. Just exhaustion, tired, don't have time to. I think that this one goes back to the idea of what I shared last week with evangelism. We've got to recognize the urgency of the hour, church. You say, but David, yes, we do with evangelism. But one of the greatest ways that you can evangelize and share is by serving others. If we recognize the urgency of the hour, then we're going to want to serve others because in serving others, they're going to see that we've been forgiven and that's why we serve. That we have a love for God because He first loved us and that's why we serve. And that we're following the example of Jesus. That's why we serve. And so when we are able to show people the true meaning of why we serve with a grateful heart, why we serve with gladness, why we serve with humility, we're showing them Jesus. Even in our actions. So church, first we have to ask, what is our heart? Is it prideful or is it that we want to render all things, that we want to give all things to the Lord? We do all things for the Lord. And then we have to say, why don't we serve sometimes? And we have to say, Lord, do we recognize the urgency of the hour? Church, I pray that we would look for opportunities. Yeah, I shared with you a lot of things that you can do in here, in the church house. But I pray that we would look for intentional opportunities to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness that we may serve others. That we may think of others more than ourselves. That we may live the I'm third lifestyle because we are disciplining ourselves in the word and in prayer and in worship. Father, I pray. Father, I pray. Church, I pray that we would be known. As a body of Christ that serves. Serves one another. Serves our community. And serves the world. I've shared with you before and I'll say it again as I close. We have a lot of partnerships right here in Mobile, Alabama. I told Brother Randy that my goal this year is to go and serve at every one of those locations. And so we're seeking out those times to do that. But church, your life group, your community group, you can ask Brother Randy for those opportunities and different things and he would love to share with you so that you all could go together and serve together. Whether it be the mission of hope, whether it be light of the village, or, or whether it be uh, the Women's Resource Center and so many other, Pasco, and I just can't name them all right now. But would we, with a heart of gladness and gratitude and humility, serve here, serve in our community, and serve throughout the world for the purpose of godliness within us 
and the purpose of sharing the truth of God's word. 